This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Finding the right sort of person who can help guide you through various stages of your career can be incredibly valuable and beneficial. Today, we are talking about mentorship and what sort of relationship can make a mentor a great fit for you. Today's episode is brought to you with generous support from Peterson. Hi everyone, I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're talking about mentorship, what that means, what can make it great, why it doesn't necessarily work, and what you can do so that you might actually benefit from the experience. Sounds like a solid episode. Does, does. And it's so solid despite the fact that we're not in my living room. No, we're not today. We're in Vegas. Or our respective closets. Yeah, we're in Vegas, baby. That's right. And we're so awesome. It's not Saturday. Whatever night it is, we're in our hotel room recording an episode. Wednesday night. Everyone is out. There's a giant party going on. We're not at that party. No, we're not. Because we're dedicated. Yeah, because we were invited. Yeah, we weren't. It sounds like, was that in doubt? Yeah, I know. (laughs) True. Like people are thinking, they're not going because they weren't invited. No. We were totally invited. We did just finish our own party, though. Our own happy hour party. Yeah, we had a 10th anniversary Life of an Architect happy hour, and we had shockingly good turnout. It was. I was a little surprised by that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me too. So we're at the International Building Show currently. Well, currently we're in the 14th floor of the Westgate Hotel and Casino. Yeah, yeah. But we're at the International Builder Show, Kitchen and Bath Industry Show. I had a couple speaking gigs, moderated a panel. We had some work we had to do, got to go talk to a bunch of interesting people, but this is not really our wheelhouse. I have a little bit of a wheelhouse here. Yeah, for the KBIS side, yeah. Yeah, so like AIA functions clearly, 100% wheelhouse. Yep. This is like 40% my wheelhouse, and I think like 0% your wheelhouse. (laughs) Thanks. Well, not in like any kind of dastardly way, but there was a couple moments where I'm doing something and I'll turn to Andrew, like he's my spouse, and say, like, hold my purse. <laughs> but it'd be like, hold my water, hold this, because I got to do something real quick. I don't think you love that. No, it's not my favorite, but it's fine. It was very helpful to me. I'm sure. <laughs> I live to serve. <laughs> you do, you know, and I just wanted to give you a shout out. Yeah, thanks. On the episode. Uh-huh. If you need stuff held. I'm your guy. <laughs> if you need me to hold your water or some papers, yeah. I'm your guy. Yeah, it's great. You know, he's solid. He delivers. My hands work. It's awesome. Most of the time. Okay, so let's get into the episode. Let's do it. Mentorship. I have a lot of notes here. I have none. I know. Because you didn't give me any. I didn't give you my notes? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so I have a lot of notes because I actually have some fairly hot opinions about mentorship. Yeah, I noticed. I read through them. But I'm trying to be productive about it because here's the short version. Let's say the negative part right up front, at least for me is I've never really had a mentor in the sense that we're kind of going to be talking about it today in my life. Like your boss is not your mentor. No. And since I've worked at predominantly small firms, I got the things that a mentor would kind of do. I got from my my boss. Yeah. Some of it. It's still a different relationship. But it's different. And we're focusing the on the differences. should be. And so my experience is that mentorships only work when it's organic and it happens naturally. A lot of people will say, hey, let's put a mentorship program together. You know, we're looking at doing this actually at Boca Powell right now. Hmm. 
and I know the AI did it. I was involved in one of the test case projects and it was, we're putting this person together with that person, go. It just didn't work. It's forcing it. Yeah, it's like they set up a matrix of, here's people with experience, here's people without experience. Let's just match them up and go. And now you're a mentor. And you're yeah. like, eh. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, people. I mean, so, it might, but not very often. It'd be luck of the draw. Yeah, for sure. If it worked, it would be because it just so happens that the mentor in the mentee had some reason to find a connection, which maybe would have happened organically if they were in the same space at some point or time. Yeah. Right? Well, and I'll say, I don't think I've ever really had a mentor either. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Most people have, at least in my experience, it seemed fairly unique when I came out and said, I've never had a mentor. People seemed to react in such a way that, like, that was a shortcoming on my part. <laughs> like, oh, what's wrong with you? I don't think that there's anyone that I could point to specifically and say, they were my mentor in all of this. Okay, so let's get into that, because I think that's going to come back up again later. I mean, because I'm already rabbit holing in my brain. I am, sure. So let's start by saying mentorship is intended to be a mutually beneficial arrangement between two interested individuals, but it can be really only instigated by the younger party, I think. Yeah, I mean, probably, most likely. Yeah, I don't know if it's creepy or if it's just not right, but if somebody goes, maybe it's a, I have so much knowledge. I want to mentor you. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Maybe that mentor, mentee, mentorship, I don't know what. I don't know. What is the mentee? Mentee, yeah. yeah. Mentos. No, that's a candy. <laughs> mentee, yeah. <laughs> so if it works, it might have already been in place. Someone says, hey, I want to be your mentor. Maybe that desire was because you already have a relationship and the mentor sees a possibility here or sees or what they feel is greatness. This other person with a little bit of help and guidance that maybe they feel like they can help them move from whatever point in their life they're at to a new stage. Yeah. So in that sense, it could be initiated by the elder. But generally speaking, I think that if you're the younger person, you should identify the person to be your mentor. That's someone you should seek out. But I think that's part of it. And that's the way the organic part of it is that you seek out somebody that you think you can have. I mean, at least in my mind, right? You're going to have some fairly serious meaningful conversations, then it's got to be somebody that you can relate to and be able to do that. Certainly, there's got to be a personal connection that goes beyond, in my opinion, the best ones have a little bit of personal to go along with the professional. It's yeah. not just professional. You know, I often hear that from a handful of folks, I've heard it maybe a dozen times in my life, that the entire life of an architect site is a form of mentorship, you know, sort of a mentorship by proxy. And I couldn't disagree with that more because I think at best my website's full of unsolicited advice made available to people who are looking for some sort of information or guidance like you know they typed in a, a keyword search sure and they're looking for information but without the give and take of a meaningful dialogue over an extended period of time and I think those two descriptors are very important give and take of meaningful dialogue and extended period of time it's lacking at its core the real value that mentorship provides. When you're initiating some type of mentor-mentee relationship, that's got to be a consideration. The flow of information has to be willing to go both ways. I think so. And I think you need to plan on it having some sort of longevity to it because a lot of times the thing that the mentor-mentee relationship benefit from the most 
is a reevaluation of decisions or actions made. Yeah, it's got to have some time period to it so that you're growing or you're both growing, but that you can reevaluate as you move through. And I would say that your website, yeah, I agree. It's a source of information for sure. Yeah. The mentor aspect is really not. And part of that's because you can engage with me and and soon to be you since you're starting to write a blog post. So there is a give and take that does happen. But without that kind of evaluation, like if you say, hey, what do you think I should do? And you go, well, here's a couple of considerations. And so then a course of action is taken. And then time is allowed to pass so you can then evaluate, did that course of action yield the intended results? Did I end up where I thought I was going to when we said choose door A instead of door B? Yeah, that's, I think, the most critical component of a mentor, mentor. we got to find a different way to say this. I don't want to say mentor-mentee relationship (laughs) a thousand times in this episode. A mentorship? Yeah, who knows? Something. Manatee. Maybe I'll be struck by genius. In a minute and figure it out. It's it's possible. So mentors are more than advisors. They're interested in your professional development and career advancement. That's another kind of consideration. It's not just, hey, this is good. Things are looking up. They've got to be someone who the personal relationship kind of, that's where that figures in. They want to celebrate your successes with you. Yeah, they want to see you succeed. They don't just want to advise you. They want to see that you're succeeding and they want to help you in any way that they can. Yeah. And your failures are their failures and your successes are their successes. It's just there's a a high level of personal relationship there. This is the part that we kind of makes me sad at times that I feel like I'd never had that mentor relationship because the way that I think of it now and the way we're kind of describing it, Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I go, I feel like, how much did I miss out on that I didn't have that identified role? Because there are people, let's make no mistake, there are people that provided guidance and support and value to me, and they celebrated my successes. and Those relationships in there, but the part for me that was missing was that evaluation over time. You know, the guidance, and you go put an action, something in play, and then you come back later and go, did it work? All right, well, how can we work on this? Or I've never had that person. I, mean, I don't think I have either, at least not consistently. For you, it's the, the evaluation. For me, it's the overtime thing that's different. That's why I don't feel like I've oh, No, mine is the evaluation over time. You have to have that period of do this, go away, come back, reevaluate. But if you don't have the time there, you can't evaluate. So another consideration is that mentors are more than advisors. They're interested in your professional development and career advancement. Mentors are the people... They're excited and willing and able to share their experience and their expertise. That's part of that relationship as well. The passing of information. I did this and this is what happened. So it either worked well or didn't work well. I'm parting this information to you for you to either not do what I did or to do what I did. Or at least evaluate this is what I did. And for me, it worked for you. It may not work, but this is how it turned out for me. Yeah. And I think that part of that process, what ends up happening is as these mentors reflect on their own successes and failures, they can clearly explain what they've learned from those failures and successes and provide guidance, motivation, emotional support, role modeling, you know, all the things that you would expect. And that, again, circles back to the not always the do what I say, not what I do, but preaching what you practice or practice what you're preaching. Yeah, I got you. That also suggests that there's There's a reason why the mentor-mentee relationship has an age difference to it. 
You don't have a 28-year-old mentoring a 26-year-old. No, there's just not enough time between the two to learn from your mistakes. Not that as a 26-year-old, you're not going to ask a 28-year-old for advice, but they're not your mentor. That's right. And there's a big difference between advice and mentoring somebody. You know, you can ask for advice on, hey, I'm going to buy a new pair of headphones. What did you think of the ones you got? Yeah. You're my role model. You're my mentor. You're my headphone mentor. (laughs) (laughs) I come to you for this sort of information. So we also kind of touched on briefly that it should not be a one-way relationship. When I was involved in the AIA's program for a while, this was a topic that we talked about because and it really was a feedback that was being delivered to the group that was talking about this. That was from the perspective of the mentee. The younger person, yeah. Yeah. What they don't want is they don't want someone to say, like, hey, sit down, young buck, and let me... And part show you how it does all yeah. my wisdom on you and then push you off into the sunset. Yeah. And the truth is, is really that relationship as the information goes both, both ways. The person who's in the mentor relationship certainly can become the mentee in some instances. If there's a natural connection and it's personal, like I know that this is off the top of my head. Like I can talk about pens and sketching and the value I get and the lack of having a piece of technology between my brain and my hand and how that, what that means to me. Mm-hmm. That might have zero relevance to someone who's 25 years old and they've been using technology their entire life. So they feel like they have that connection. The software is not a hindrance in their mind because that's the norm. Yeah, they don't see it as a disconnection between mind and output like you do. But I don't. I don't feel that way. Whenever I've had conversations, you know, or I post a sketch I've done on social media or something, you know, you always get the factions that come out that talk about like, oh, the purity of the sketch and how superior it is to all these other things. I've never maintained that attitude. I do it because it's what works for me. Well, that's what I meant. I'm just saying like for you, it feels like there's some kind of disconnect. Well, I just don't know the software well enough to where I'm not thinking about what buttons I might be pushing. But for people who grew up that way, they don't know any different. That's right. That's why I always discount, you know, the argument that one is a better brain to hand connection than the other. And I go, there's probably a difference between the 70 year old who's brain to hand with a pencil is different than brain to keyboard. Sure. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but to compare one demographic and how they do it to another and saying one superior, I think is, is a little folly. The point of all that was to say that there are instances where the younger person can clearly have some sort of conversation about this is the value I get from something. And if that information doesn't flow both ways, then the mentor isn't really informed enough to provide the sort of guidance that may be their responsibility. Yeah, I agree. It's like if you go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't consider your past medical history before they prescribed a new course of treatment, you need to know more of the picture. And so if you don't have that flow of information going back both ways, then somebody's going to miss something along the way. Maybe we should sidebar this just a minute because I have, I had a guy send me some really cool information that like really consolidates and puts this conversation in an interesting way that it was organized. But I think that we should just kind of talk about the difference between a role model and a mentor. And I don't know if you have any opinions on it or if you see them as the same thing or different. I have down here that a role model is not necessarily a mentor since 
as individuals, they may not interact with the people that they are the role models. You can be a role model for somebody without ever engaging with them. Yeah, that would be what I would say. I would be like a role model would just be somebody that I probably have zero relationship with and go, yeah, I'd like to be like that. Do you have any role models? I don't know. Probably. Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why she came to mind. I don't I really don't either, but okay. I don't know why she's my role model. I I don't know either. I'm sure she's a delightful person. I'm sure. Yeah. I wonder if I have any role models. I have musical role models. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have some architectural role models, but I think maybe it's only pieces. Like, there's not one person that's like, yes. I want to be like that exactly guy. Exactly like that person. It's like, well, I want to be part of what they do. and part yeah. of what... It's a mix mash of. Yeah, like... you're baking a cake of all the best of these. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's attributes. You like, yeah. or you want to emulate certain characteristics of yeah. somebody's stuff. Sure. Well, you know, I have in here that examples like this is what we're talking about like if you see an architect and you you only know their work through books yeah that examples they're important but they're not enough and that role models do not necessarily articulate the philosophy that underlies or reflects their behavior you know what i mean you don't know why they're doing what they're doing yeah you're kind of seeing the results and you don't really know the reasons behind it you just see what happens You see the effect of choices, but you don't really know why they did what they did. Yeah, and without that, you know, and I've said this on the blog a few times, that part of what makes you professional and part of what the thing that time and skill give you is that you can evaluate your work in such a way that you can understand how you got to the solution that you did in such a way that in the future, you can recreate a success without duplicating the solution. And I think that that's something that just comes from doing something many, many times and having some experience and you start to compartmentalize and add little skill sets, arrows to your quiver. So you can say, here's something I want to solve. I know different ways that I can do it. And I know what kind of results and objectives I'm going to get. You don't know that with a role model because there's no philosophy behind it. There's no intelligence. You're just There's no data behind it. You're doing it all for yourself and you're putting your own stuff on top of it. And I think that's why role models are good, but they're not mentors. They can't be. I don't know if the people, the people. So if you're listening to this podcast, what you may or may not you know. You people. Yeah. Hey, mom. <laughs> so Andrew and I, we kind of sat down at the end of last year and we started thinking, okay, so what do we want to talk about? What are the, what's the feedback we're getting from other people about things they want to hear, topics they want us to discuss, any of that kind of stuff. So we had mentorship down for this episode months ago. Yeah. So we knew it was going to be there and we kind of prepared and I'd been putting little notes and thoughts into this run sheet that I make for these shows. And not even a week ago, I get an email from this architecture professor at Arizona State University. And in it, it was right after you'd written your first blog post and he really liked it. He was talking about hey, maybe you guys can talk about mentorship. And he goes, because as a matter of fact, we just got through doing this big giant study. We'll see, how did he write it here? They did a university-wide graduate student mentoring workshop. And he thought, this is a great list. So he sent it to me. And it was like a week ago. And so the timing was kind of crazy because this topic has been in place for months. Yeah. And so I said, let's go through this curated list and see what we think about it. All right. So these are the 10 essential qualities that should be sought or cultivated in your mentor. 
as a mentor, this is what I should have. And as a as a mentee, this, this is, is what, what you I should want be your, seeking out. Yes, because really at the beginning of the episode, remember, part of what we talked about was it's the younger person that's initiating this. Sure. So you're the person that says, I want to have a mentor because I'm telling you they're good. You should have one. I feel like I missed out by not having it. When you're trying to identify who could fill that role for you, here are 10 essential qualities. We'll throw it out there and we'll go, yeah, yeah, no, whatever. That's dumb. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Number one, I feel like this should be a drum roll. I know, but I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number one, enthusiasm for our discipline, field, and profession. Yes. That seems like a pretty solid number one. Yeah, I would think you would have to. I don't want a mentor who says, no, this is a yeah, I should crappy have, profession. I should, I should have, have become been an, an accountant. accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we post an accountant. Sorry, accountants out there. So that seems pretty self-explanatory. But I think, again, necessary, right? It should be somebody that likes what they do. Solid. Number one, solid. Number two, breadth of experience brings insight into what works and what does not. We talked about that already, that your mentor should be someone who's got some skins on the walls, been around the block a few times, has done things right a few times, has done things wrong a few times, have had to make a couple of course corrections because they need to have an understanding so they can say, yeah, I tried that and here's what happened to me. Like if you're the mentor, what happened to you, it's difficult to recreate it in someone who is 10 or 15 years your junior. The point is not to say, I did one, two, and three, and I got this as a result. So if you do one, two, and three, you'll get the same result. You'll get the same results. We know that that's unlikely to happen. For sure. So that's why choosing somebody who has been doing this for a while, they have insight from experience. And that cannot be understated. Because it's not just what works. It is about what does not work. But the one thing I think, maybe it's coming up, but... I would say about that was it doesn't necessarily have to be a breadth of knowledge of something that you're interested in, at least in my opinion. For example, if I want to get into healthcare, my mentor doesn't have to be someone who's in healthcare. No, I would agree with that. They just have to be somebody who's got experience in the practice of architecture, but they don't have to do the same or, you know, have the same interest that I do, but they just have to have experience. I think in some capacity it helps. If you're going to go, say, a design manager route, you know, that's the direction you want to take. Maybe not having the design architect, the guy who's gone that route, may not be the best source. They wouldn't be bad because there's a lot of things that they can still bring to the mix here. Yeah. There might be some unique circumstances where they do not have the breadth of experience in dealing with, say, like contractors in the field, and you're looking to get some understanding into this process. Well, they don't know it because they don't do it. They never go there. They don't do it. I always thought that your mentor should be. You look at them and you go, I want that. That's where I want to be. If I project myself forward, that's a person that I think that I would like to emulate. Mm -hmm. And as such, that would restrict who you might want to look at because that would preclude the project manager, project architect type person from looking at someone who went, say, the design, design route. So, okay, number two, solid. Two for two so far. Number three was high standards and expectations for oneself and one's colleagues and students. Now, this clearly came out of a university program because they're talking about the high expectations for colleagues and students. I don't think that matters in the workaday world. 
I mean, part of that's just be a good, decent human being, which is not really what we're talking about today. But I definitely think that they should have high standards and expectations. I mean, because if you can choose someone to emulate, you want to set the bar high, don't you? Yeah, but I think, to me, there's something a little bit more to be said for that, that they have high expectations of their colleagues. I want other architects to have the same level of standards that I do. Even though I know they don't, it's not possible, but that's what I would want. But how does that manifest itself in the mentor-mentee relationship? I don't know. You know? I'm not sure. Because I would say, let's say that I'm the mentor and you're the mentee. I have high expectations for myself. And if I was willing to take on the responsibility of being your mentor, I clearly think I would have high expectations for you. What person to my left or right is doing in the nature of what our relationship is, what does that matter? So the next one we had on the list was an open mind with regard both to complex issues such as definitions of success and to the changing nature of our field and its support structures. What does that mean to you? I don't know. It means a mouthful. I was like, uh, what? Yeah. One more time. An open mind to what success means, which I understand. Because, again, your path is different than my path, but I'm going to help you if this is the path that you want to take. Yeah. I'm going to give you as much help as I can. The mentor should yeah, do that. Yeah, your version of success is not necessarily my definition of success. So how can I disembody my own opinions to get you where you need to be? And I still want to help you get where you want to be. That's right. That's a good mentor. Yes, that's right. But the next... The changing nature of our field and its support structures. I honestly go, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But we're not here to to critique ASU's list. Oh, I thought that's what we were doing. Well, (laughs) (laughs) well, I thought that was the point. No, I'm just there's philosophies of this that we're not aware of. I know, I know. But But no, I mean, I think, right, the first half of that for sure. Yeah, I'm on board. I think that's important. So, yes, an open mind with regard both to complex issues such as definitions of success. Spot on. Yes. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. Andrew and I are sitting here today with Tom Bell, Vice President at Peterson. Tom Bell's entire 40-plus year career has been in the metals industry with the past 22 years with Peterson managing its architectural metals business. So, hi, Tom. Hello. Thanks for coming and joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. A lot of our listeners are very familiar with Peterson, the company, and very familiar with PackClad as a product. But can we talk a little bit just about Peterson, the company? Absolutely. Peterson is on the move in so many different ways right now, not only an expansion in territory, but also in product line. We've taken a company that's 55 years old and moved off the roof down to the walls in uh, substrates of both aluminum and steel. And those have become very, very important as we cover from coast to coast in different environments and atmospheres. I know that Peterson makes both hidden fastener and exposed fastener wall cladding panels, but they make that for both exterior and interior use. That's correct. We've gotten more interest in that industrial exposed fastener look in restaurants, homes, museums. So that has actually been a market that has kind of opened up to us without us even knowing it was there. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's always nice, right? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I know that I've always been particularly fond of, Peterson, Pat Clad as a metal cladding product, is the number of standard colors and the custom color capabilities. 
That's correct. We've continued to add to that pallet as we've grown, uh, again, across the country with 38 to 44 now standard colors. We found that what's popular in Florida may not be the same in Arizona, and those color charts have just had to expand. Sure. We are now looking into print coats that uh, used to be exotics that are now standards on our floor, that being uh, whether it's a metallic brushed look or even a wood grain, and those are now on our floor uh, ready to ship. Wow, that's amazing. The wood grain is interesting to me. It is interesting. One of the things that Andrew and I, because we've actually talked about pack clad as a product on the show before Mm -hmm. we like the perforated metal it's one of the products that there's been a lot of interest i'm sure that you're familiar with the growing interest that happens it's not you probably have metrics i guess is what i'm saying i just see it being used more often will you talk about the perforated metal products a little bit for us absolutely it's a product that for so many years was used in sound deafening and other areas and then all of a sudden someone got very creative and figured out that Perforations in so many different patterns and availabilities is exactly what they were looking for in both a cladding application and a screen, uh, sunscreen application, and uh, it's it's just continued to grow. We have numerous projects going right now, especially on parking decks where some type of cladding is used on the siding, but ventilation is just as important as anything else. So that has become uh, something of great interest to many architects in the institutional side of our business. So do you have multiple patterns and uh, you know what kind of perf panels? Yeah, you, it's just uh, you dream away. Uh, the perforators that have been perforating metal for industrial roosters all these years have just opened up the gates. And we have diamonds to squares to really, uh, uh, we have a casino out here that actually has a shape of the money. Like the dollar sign. Uh, yeah, the dollar sign <laughs> is actually perforated into the metal. I know that there's a variety of standing seam metal panels but this is a product that you can actually get for both commercial and residential applications. And it's capable of being warrantied. You have a really good warranty, do you not? Yes, we do. And and the residential side of the business is probably as, uh, the fastest uh, growing part of our roofing product. We're uh, now in the, with our Phoenix facility uh, expanding all along the West Coast. And uh, our aluminum uh, roof product has all of a sudden uh, gr- had great interest from Seattle all the way to San Diego. And that's in their residential side. Our Florida market and Caribbean markets are our strongest markets in the U.S. right now. And again, I would say 20 to 30 percent of our total market there now is also residential. Well, that's wonderful. Well, if you'd like to inquire more about the perforated metal or Peterson's metal roof and wall cladding products, send an email at info at pac-clad.com. So that's info at pac-clad.com. And we'll put a link at the bottom of today's post so that you don't have to remember this and write this down. You can just click it and it'll take you right where you need to be. Tom, we appreciate you taking time to visit with us today. Thanks for having us. Oh, it was our pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Number five was inquisitiveness to be able to help identify and evaluate underlying assumptions. Also pretty good because you want them to be open to the fact that things aren't exactly the way that they were for them and they're willing to explore new avenues or new routes or new pathways that someone can take. And that suggests that they're not rude in, in 
the way that they do things. Okay. Right. That's how I take that. All right. If they are that person, then they can kind of extrapolate their experiences and modify them to current circumstances and situations. Okay. You sound unconvinced. I am unconvinced. So, well, no, talk but about it, it then. Because I don't know. That's not the way that I interpret the statement. And maybe it's just the wording of the statement, the inquisitiveness to, what was it? Do it again. Inquisitiveness to help and identify and evaluate underlying assumptions. That's a weird string of words for me. But, you know, maybe it's a professorial way of saying you need to be able to extrapolate your circumstances to someone else's circumstances, find corollaries and not direct avenues that match. But the thing is, the reason why I think the inquisitiveness part of it is okay, because it suggests that they will still solve it the way that they solve it. Like if there's a slide rule person, they're still going to use slide rules to solve it. But they're open for you to pull out your iPhone or whatever and pull up an app that might be able to do the same thing for them. But they're willing to go. There's a new way to do this. Let's look at this. How can we use this to get to where we want to go? Right. Okay. Number six, they're empathetic which basically they're trying to say the ability to articulate and address sensitive issues is helpful in dealing with the realities and needs of the relationship. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I understand. I can attempt to understand what you're dealing with. Yeah, and you know, I think about that a little bit in the sense that, that the mentor is not always trying to make whatever you're doing or going through about them. They don't have to like reposition your circumstances to align with their personal experience so that they can dole out some advice or guidance to you Mm -hmm. that they can actually put themselves into where you're at and not try to turn it around about well i had a similar circumstance for me more of if 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 i was you and i was in this situation here's what i would be thinking or here's the list of things i would consider those are things that you should consider and those are your things to consider i'm not going to tell you This is what you should do. I will say that I thought it was interesting that the word empathetic showed up on the list of qualities to be sought or cultivated in a mentor. It seems reasonable, but I don't know that I would have come up with it. If you'd asked me to come up with my own list of 10, empathetic. And that's not to say that I discount it. I just don't think I ever thought of it in that way. It's funny. That item right there makes me think I would never be a good mentor. Even though I feel like I would be a good man. Why? Because you couldn't admit that you... No, because no one ever would call me empathetic, ever. Mm, I can totally see that. It's not a trait I have. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, when I got this list, I was like, oh, who's this person? I wanted to learn more about him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's the website where you can, like, rate your professors. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. He has some things that are written about him that are great, some things that are not great. Unilaterally, everyone said... Oh my God, his class is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) And, and the thing is, so then I went, Hmm, wonder what it says about Andrew. I'm sure. Yeah. And you only had two, two comments in there and they were, they were pretty nice. They were like, he's supportive and they actually cast you in the, in the father figure role as a professor. Nice. I think that'd be great. You know, cause that seems like helpful, protective, nurturing those are the words that at least i like to think of when i think of if you're a father figure role if you're a dad type person yeah that's your job and if your students describe you as dad as a (laughs) as a dad you know archetype yeah i go that's pretty amazing that's pretty great all right congratulations well thanks yeah so maybe that whole no one describes you as empathetic thing is that's not really correct yeah well i don't know trying to build you up here bro i know i appreciate it (laughs) 
Okay, let's go on to number seven. Excellent communicator, the capacity to be both a good questioner and a good listener. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that seems like a given. If we need to reorder these, that would be number, number one. Number one. For yeah, sure. I know, right? I do think that I would be a good questioner, but I'm not so sure I'd be a good listener. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's hard. Listening. For you. You just said for you as well. No, I'll listen. I'm just not empathetic. You can talk to me about all whatever, whatever, and I can understand it. Yeah, but, but you'll be on your phone while they're doing it. No, not that. <laughs> but like, I won't. It's the empathy of like feeling sad because they're sad. Nope, I don't do it. If you're sad, I'm like, well. Don't be, don't be sad. Up, buttercup. <laughs> Put some Windex on it. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. I mean, I'll listen to you and I mean, I'll give you advice. Okay, let's hijack this particular one for just a moment. Yes. Because... I won't say clearly, but I'm pretty sure you're a man. <laughs> I mean, there's, wow, there's... I don't even get a clearly for that. There's I some it. evidence that I'm not really... I mean, I don't know 100%. That's all I'm trying to say. People are... <laughs> you know, I'm that's feeling pretty boy. confident in that, but... Okay. But there are gender-related skill sets. Like, women are much more empathetic than men are. Yeah, typically. And so, I wonder... Maybe that's something we should try to avoid, even though we try to tackle the, the tough issues head on here at Life of an Architect. Oh, yes. Like, should you choose a woman to be your mentor because they're more likely to be empathetic? And clearly, since they think that that's a skill set that's important, it's essential, actually. Remember, it's one of the 10 essential Essentials. ones. So would that say, hey, maybe I ought to go with this gender over that gender because they have a skill set that's more developed? Unless caveman. Like, Maybe. That's a burning question. Should that be a consideration? The gender of the person that you're considering. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? Like, what if you're a young woman and you're in the architecture field? Well, you should probably have a woman as a mentor. Well, there you go. That's, but you just said, no, I don't think so. And you, then you just literally said yes. <laughs> that's a tough one. There's so many bear traps around this. Well, yeah, again, that's a minefield you're trying to pull me into. I know there's a reason why I'm asking you these questions. I don't know why, but okay. Well, because then, you know, direct your emails to... Yeah, me for... Yeah. I stepped on it. I stepped on it. I stepped on it. You know, I I do. I wonder about this. I go, if there were statistics out there, do you think that... And so it's just a numbers game. Part of me goes, we should discount that because if you're a young woman and you're looking for a mentor and you look at senior staff or whatever... Yeah, you look up the chain. Unfortunately, at this point in time, it's 75% male, if not more. It's male-dominated. So if you're choosing someone who's your senior, you have far fewer options to make that connection with. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that women in their wisdom would necessarily say that's a bad thing, even though they might look at it and say having a woman in that same senior position in a mentor role would be a good thing. Which I, th- I would tend to think that it would be, mm-hmm. you know. My sister Barbara, the one who's only 18 months older than me, she's killed it. She's done very, very well for herself. Mm-hmm. And I think all the time, I would like my daughter and my sister to have a conversation with one another. Like, what can my sister, who's been wildly successful, but the thing is, is what she tells me is so different. This is my sister. Her mind, gender, it's not a thing. Nothing. It's only an issue if you make it an issue. Mm-hmm. She's not saying that doesn't exist, but she's like, she doesn't go looking for stuff. And so I go, well, you know, I don't know if it's like the thing that's made her so successful is this very black and white ability that she has to digest very complicated issues down into binary kind of actions. 
mm-hmm. because that at her level, that that's really what it is. And I wonder sometimes if while she could be an amazing mentor in so many different ways, is that a consideration for young women to say, I would prefer or would be better for me to have a woman in that mentor role than a man? But again, to me, I think if we're going to talk about what we've been building up to and talking about, right, it really doesn't matter. It should be about your ability to have some kind of personal connection with them. Right. If we say, okay, well, if you're a female, you should have a female, then that's the forcing it thing that we know doesn't work. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I, I don't know that it really, it doesn't matter. And I go, but I wonder if I'm, if I'm already predisposed to think that way because it's kind of an affirmative action thing in my brain. I've gotten called out for this. Mm-hmm. You know, someone says, hey, what do you think about women in the field of architecture? I go, I don't think anything about it. They're there. I don't think good or bad. And they're like, no, you need to actively be doing stuff. And I go, I just want the best person. I don't care if it's a woman or if it's a man. If they have four arms. I should take one for four arms. I could be a good dra- a good like technician. <laughs> yeah. And so I go, if you're a mentee and you're looking for a mentor, I go, gender shouldn't be part of it, even though I can't discount the fact that there might be some value from it. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier. You find the person, you go, that's what I want. That's what I look at. And I go, I want to do that. That's who I think has got that's to go That's where I want to go. Yeah, that's where I want to be. And if that's a man, great. If it's a woman, great. But I'm sure there's some people that have some very strong opinions about this. We'll hear from you. You know, and I'm okay hearing that, but I'm trying to come from a respectful place. So I hope that if people disagree, they're respectful about it as well. I mean, I know. I understand. If it's somebody that I want to have a relationship with, I don't really care about who their gender is or any of that kind of stuff. You don't think about it. Yeah. No. I'm just like, all right, you're killing it. I want to kill it. You tell me how you've been killing it. Yeah, for sure. Whoever you are, whatever you do, I don't really care. So let's go on to, I believe we're on number eight, clear decision maker to be able to help examine difficult situations and or choices. Yes. Great. I guess it's whether or not you want your mentor to be a a person of action that says, well, this is what I think. Blam. They put it out there as opposed to, well, what do you think you should do? Like if they take that therapist route and Mm -hmm. they're like trying to get you on this path of discovery where you come up with the answer yourself. In my mind, I always think it's the same that I might know where I want you to be. And rather than me just telling you that I ask you questions that help you get there to yourself, but I'm still the clear decision maker because I already know the answer. I just think I'm going to work you through a process where you can figure you it discover out it instead for yourself. of me just regurgitating it to you. Okay. Number nine. A willingness to expend time and effort to provide relevant mentorship. Okay. Yeah, solid. Good answer. I mean, it's just that you got to make time for these people. You know, I think that would probably be the hardest one to determine. Yeah, you're definitely not going to know that ahead of time. If you pick out, hey, man, Jim, Janice, they're going to be my person. They're doing all the stuff and they meet all these other criteria on the list. They got nine out of 10 or eight out of nine or wherever we're at. But you don't really have any clue as a younger person of, are they going to be willing to put the time in? Yeah. I mean, I think you could figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, you'd know this is something that you feel strongly about, which I think that most people would. There's a lot to be gained from it. One, I would posit that you won't have just one mentor. You might have several. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be periods of time when they overlap. Like not one person has to be all things to you in that role. Mm Mm-hmm. So you might have a business mentor, you might have a creative mentor, you might have a a life mentor. You know, there's different ones that you might have because there's an asterisk that I'm inserting right now that I'll read the asterisk 
in my brain after we do number 10, okay? Okay. All right, so number 10 is an appreciation of diversity in perspective and worldview, a belief that individuals can and should be in our discipline, field, and profession, regardless of gender or ethnicity. You know, that's a check-the-box kind of answer. Yes, but really, I mean, I don't know that that should have to be a criteria. Yeah, shouldn't everybody be that as yeah, just right. human beings? I know. Yeah, I know. And if they're not that sort of human being, then the other nine don't matter. If they're a good person, that's there. I always think of that Chris Rock joke. He goes, I take care of my kids. And they're like, you're supposed to take care of your kids. You don't get credit for doing that because that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that one's a little bit like, okay, uh, great. You, you should be doing that anyway. Like, it's almost like you sh- shouldn't have to say it. Okay. So here's the asterisk that I want to visit back on. All in all, I'd say it's a pretty solid list. Agreed. But I can't help but wonder if a single individual exists out there with all these qualities. Yeah. Is there <laughs> is there one person that has all 10 of those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might get close. Hopefully close is good enough, which kind of goes back to the you don't need your one mentor to be all of these things. That's why there'd be some overlap. Like, don't expect it'd be unreasonable for you to look for the person that has all these that things. That checks off all 10 of those boxes. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm pretty sure that I got all of these. <laughs> Well, I've got nine. Yeah. The empathy one, right? I threw that one out the window. You threw that one out? Yeah. You have no empathy. Exactly. I have tons of empathy. That's why, remember, you're looking out for you and I want to save the world. Right? That's part (laughs) of what that deal is. We've seen this (laughs) dynamic play out. Some. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So this list is not in any particular order of priorities. I suppose the mentorees should have some responsibility in determining which of these 10 things we just listed are the most important for their needs. For them, yeah, right? Again. Yeah, you might look and say, this person has one, two, three, four, seven, eight, and you go, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And if you need to seek out the holes from somebody else. Yeah, do it. Yeah, go find that person. So I actually wrote an article on my website. It was a post called, This Is Not Mentorship, which I actually think was, I mean, I wrote it, so I would say I think it's pretty good. It's brilliant. Yeah, right. Uh, Not brilliant. (laughs) See the difference? I said pretty, pretty good. good. Okay, fair enough. So I'm all for people finding a mentor. And this is kind of, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this was something that I talked about because I you know, put time and effort into it. But finding a mentor, that's great. And I'm all for it. But this person should be, it's like, okay, where do you look for that person? And I go, this person should be in a leadership position in your firm, but preferably someone other than your boss. Because this is something we haven't really talked about. Like we talked about here, the qualities, but like, where do you find these people? How do you find them? Mm -hmm. How do you approach them? All these kind of things. But your boss cannot be, if you can help it, not your mentor. But if you're working in a small firm, that can be kind of tough. You know, you might not have that many options, but I'm here to tell you, complaining to your boss about things in the office may not be a great idea. So you might have to seek somebody outside of your office. Well, I would say if it's a smaller office, you should definitely find somebody outside your office. You got to go somewhere else. Part of it is, you know, when you talk about sharing information and you're not going to get that, that's a reason for it not to be your boss. Yeah. There's certain information that your boss is going to withhold from you because they're your boss, essentially, right? They have other responsibilities that may not align with your personal gains. So if it's a smaller firm, I think you definitely seek outside of your own office. You have to. But if it's a bigger firm, I think you absolutely look for someone in your own office, but preferably not somebody in your chain. Chain of command, yeah. So finding a sounding board, someone you can vent, ask questions, get recommendations, that's all the good stuff. You want to find that person 
I think preferably in your own office if you can pull it off, because they're going to understand the culture of every situation that you're bringing to them in a lot of ways, professionally. Mm -hmm. And they're going to understand the personalities that are in play for the situations you might be bringing to them. And I think that that person would be able to help you far more than somebody else would. But the most important component that we've talked about tonight in the mentorship process, and for me, bar none, is the reevaluation over time. If you can't get that, we will not have a successful mentor-mentee relationship. If I was going to make a shirt, said the number one essential thing that needs to happen, that's it for me. The reevaluation over time. Reevaluation over time. Interesting. Yeah. That's not it for me, but I don't know what it is for me. It's a soft answer. I just know that's not it. I mean, I think the overtime thing is, but also to me, it's... Because it's... They're, just, they're just friends. So you, you can yeah. ask anybody for that. And it's like, if, if you don't have that person that you, you bring something to and you come up with some kind of idea, because really what you're talking about is act and reacting, course correction, when new data is brought into the mix you know, and the possibility of modifying or changing completely what your goals or objectives might be, mm -hmm. you have to have that. So you have to have that person in that spot for an extended period, period of time. A long period of time. I agree with the time part. Yeah. I mean, there's other things that have to fit in place. And if they don't have those, then the reevaluation over time doesn't really matter. But I'm making the assumption that you can find somebody that you can connect with, that you can say, hey, you've done things that I need to know how to do or would like to know how to do or admire the way that you've gone about doing them. You can help me out here. Yeah. But you need to have a connection with that person that goes beyond the here and now. Yeah, I agree with that. We've been at this for a while. A while. And I thought that was a good chat on mentorship. You know, maybe there's a mentorship part two at some point. Mm -hmm. But I think people are ready for us to get into this episode's hypothetical question. You know, I was thinking, I could probably mentor you on hypothetical questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think you could because... Uh-huh. 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 Your role is not to see me succeed in uh, hypothetical questions. Okay, that's fair. Your goal is to win. Yeah, so you're not going to you're not going to mentor me in it. You probably don't even remember what this one's. I don't. Okay, so it's been there. And I read it, but I've slept since then. Okay, here's the hypothetical. Would you rather reverse one decision you make a day or stop time for 10 seconds every day? Oh, yeah, I remember it now. It's an easy answer for me. I'm sure it's wrong. Let me guess. You want to reverse one decision. Yes. Interesting. 10 seconds. Topping time for 10 seconds gets me zero. Now, I will tell you, if it was 10 minutes, different story. Because I could use the 10 minutes. But what, to be on time? To be on time. Things? Yeah, yeah, right? 10 seconds, I really I don't get nothing out of that. Because I'm like, well, what does 10 seconds do for me? Okay, let's make it 10 minutes. I'm willing to do that. Reverse one decision or stop time for 10 minutes. Yeah, see, now it starts to get trickier. I'm all for the tricky. But I still think I would probably go with one decision. Okay. That's the wrong answer. <laughs> no, I don't know that that's the wrong answer. I don't have strong opinions about this one. That's not what I would choose. Because I don't think I make a decision every day that I... What does it say I have to, right? No, you don't have to. But I go, I would probably take advantage of the stopping time every day. If I had that ability to do it, every day I would do that. Really? Oh, for sure. Interesting. See, that's why I don't, I'm like, I don't know that I would. I'm assuming that I can, when I stop time, everything freezes and I can move within this envelope of. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming too, right? Like it's everybody's frozen but me or yeah. everything is frozen but me for whatever it is. Ten, which 10 seconds to me, I was like, oh, it doesn't do me any good. That's like hijinks you're yeah. doing with that 10 seconds. 10 minutes, different story. I, yeah. might, I mean, I would be more inclined, but I still don't think I would do it every day. 
I'm kind of curious if which answer you choose kind of speaks to the type of person you are, because if you're reversing a decision, that's a singular action. Like you did something and you want to undo something that now upon reflection, you feel was not the right thing to do. Like there was a cause and effect and the effect was not what you had intended or you just weren't happy with it. You're going to undo it. You're going to, sure. you're going to reverse it. So that's very inwardly focused. It's very Andrew centric. Of course. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's just human being thing. If you're stopping time, that suggests that you're doing stuff. <laughs> like, I go, what would I do? With but what are you going to do? Yeah, that's what, what I, I couldn't. I was like, I don't, what am I going to do with 10 minutes? Or in the original question, hijinks. That's all I can think of. 10 seconds is what am I going to do? The only benefit I could think for that was like, if I got to a point where in my day, which doesn't happen every day, that I was just like flustered. I just want people to either A, leave me alone or the phone stop ringing or the, the block, you know, whatever it is. Like I just need 10 seconds to, for everything to stop and I can kind of reset myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But otherwise, I'm like, I'm going to do it 10 seconds. Yeah. I'm not sure what I would do with it, but I'm pretty sure it'd be stuff I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, the funny thing about you, we were talking about changing my I'm like, well, I should have had something different for lunch. Let me go back and let me have a different lunch. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse that that triple meat patty and get a salad. Because I don't think there are I don't think I make huge decisions every day that affect my life on a daily basis. I'm not making these life altering choices. Yeah, that's why I initially was like, yeah, one I would probably use all the time. One I would go occasionally I would use it because the thing is, I go most of the time any decision I have that I might want to reverse, I don't know that I want to reverse it until. It's not three days later. Yeah, and I yeah, can't reverse it. I can't anymore. reverse it. Yeah. I know. So I look at it and I go, I don't know that I see the value in reversing a decision. But when I was a kid, this is really what I was thinking of. <laughs> when I was a child, I saw some movie. I would totally want to watch this movie again if I could find it. I was so enamored with it. What it was is this like super cool grandpa, whatever dude, ended up he was super rich. He left his grandson this pocket watch. And the son was like, I got totally gypped. All this untold riches, and I get this old bummy. Stupid pocket watch. Pocket watch. Well, he learns that if he pulls out the stopper on the stop on the pocket watch. Like the winding part, yeah. To set it, but the time stop while you're doing that. Time stops. It froze everybody except for him. Yeah. I thought that was so glorious. And he, he would position people's bodies, you know, and like pull that guy's pants down or, you know, stupid stuff. (laughs) Stuff that really resonated with. Eight-year-old Bob. Yeah, single-digit age Bob. And I thought that would be the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Because you could steal stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's part of it, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, Stop time going to the jewelry store. And I go, dang it, I'm a criminal again. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, with 10 seconds, you can't do it. 10 minutes, maybe so. Now we're talking. I'm pretty sure I could do something with 10 seconds, too. But it doesn't matter. The thing was, I go, I'm a bad person. All these questions. We're back to yeah, my mind breaking the law. Instantly goes to things. Well, initially it wasn't stealing diamonds. That's not what it was. But it was doing something mischievous or something. It was, yeah, well, yeah, right. Yeah, it was like putting a little puddle of something on the desk and someone's arms in it or something. You know, like and they don't realize it. Like they're putting their arm down and I stop time and I go put a little puddle of coffee there. And they put, oh man, I put my arm in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you stop time and you go like, you draw mustaches on people yes, and then you, yes. then you go back to your spot and it's on and you're like, what? That's exactly what, <laughs> and I go, but I, I sit there and go, would there be value in the fact that there's no question that I would be giggling all day long? 
Well, not all, well, day, not long. all day long, but for 10 seconds or for you know, well, I, well maybe it's 10 minutes worth of stoppage. So I could stop it in 30 seconds here and 15 seconds, seconds there yeah, and two minutes here or whatever. But, oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about the drawing like mustaches, mustachios on mustachios, people. Yeah. That would be great. I would <laughs> right. love to. I would. That would be so funny. Like if you're in the middle of a meeting or something, and you're like really annoyed with what's going on. You're going to freeze it, go up there and draw a mustache on. Yeah. Or and then go put sit lipstick back down. on a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Just <be laughs> stupid. And he goes, he blows his nose and then you stop it and then move it and put lipstick on him. And then when he's done blowing his nose, now he's got lipstick on. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But see, I mean, my, my thought process about the decisions was stupid stuff, too. Oh, I should have, you know, I should have turned left, turned turn right. I should have went and did this first instead of doing that. Not anything like life-altering. I shouldn't have pulled the plug on Aunt Martha. I'm going to reverse that decision. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. But again, the time thing, I just, I don't know. Even after I just told you about the hijinks? You, you yeah, but I'd get bored. That'd be great for like about the first week. You'd escalate, right? I mean, that's what you'd start doing other stuff with your time stoppage. Yeah, you'd have to. The mustachios would be the gateway drug. <laughs> yeah. We, and then it'd be on to doing other stuff. Well, I'll tell you in this movie, it was a clean movie. Putting glue on somebody's sandwich instead of mayonnaise or oh, something. You know? <laughs> golly. I don't, I don't know that I would have done that. Yeah, well. But, uh, and I go, but you'd start pulling people's pants down. You know, stop time, pull the pants down. You know, they trip. You giggle. <laughs> I know. I need to stop. It's like I'm still eight. Yeah. I, and part yeah. of my brain, I'm still a child. I got you. Okay, so on that very lofty conversation. <laughs> Such highbrow stuff going on. I know, it's so one. highbrow. But I thought we had a good chat on mentorship today. Me too. And I think maybe could be continued in the future. For sure. I'm going to call this episode a wrap. We would also like to thank Peterson for their gracious support of this episode, as well as our media partners, Building Design and Construction. Thanks for listening. Check out the lifeofanarchitect.com website for show notes. Be sure to wait until the very end to see if there's blooper gold, which I have a feeling there will be in this one. And have a cool day. Take it easy, everybody. Let's just cut that out. We'll just say, we'll just pretend we didn't say it. Okay, fair enough. There you go. Am I going to get a run sheet or no? No, you don't need a run sheet. All right, I'm just going to respond accordingly. Yeah, I mean, you got the sweetest gig in podcasting. Like always? Yeah. I don't know that's the sweetest gig in podcasting. I don't know. something. No more breathing. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) Okay, ready, go. (gasps) There's no A in the hole between incredibly invaluable. There's no a-hole. And I put an A in it. Okay. Somebody left a comment, and they're like, bring back the five-star. I saw that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Have yourself a five-star. You're my person. I can't come up with these off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you gotta leave us a five-star minty mentor mentos rating no see that's terrible yours is worse that was even worse five star and why do i always say it like that five what's the whole five by five yeah right i don't know five star i might not do that yet maybe we'll put it in the next one <laughs>